This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to On the Bench, an impromptu podcast for myself, Brendan Sinone, and my co-worker, friend, what other descriptor are you going to use for me? I was trying to, be, I was trying to blur the line of appropriate and inappropriate. It's, it's Chris. Chris Nee. That, that's who's here with you. Just let the people know. And so we came to Charlotte for the ACC kickoff. Uh, not planning to do a podcast, but you know what? My boy said, hey, I got some energy. I want to pod right now. For the record, before we left town, I said, should we pod there? And you're like, nah. Yeah. I didn't want to pack the microphone because... <laughs> It doesn't do very well in travel. It's a big wonky microphone. So anyways, I will apologize once and get it over with. Sorry for the crappy audio. We are using a backup microphone here. It's like a retro show for us, if we're being honest. Our <laughs> audio used to always be bad. Apologize. I, mean, I sound like I was in space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the ACC kickoff was pretty productive here, Chris. We had a fun time, and, uh, and we also have a quarterback commitment that we'll probably talk about here as well. Uh, but let's start off with the scene setter, the ACC kickoff. You wrote a really good column about what you observed, FSU was front and center at the beginning of the day, but really not the headline of the day, which is not what FSU is used to. Yeah, so for people that aren't familiar with it, it's a two-day event. Day one is the Coastal Division this year. Day two, which was today, is the Atlantic Division, obviously, including FSU. Yesterday, Commissioner Jim Phillips led off the day, and then they went into the schools. And all the schools do kind of the same thing. They speak on a main stage podium with everybody collected in a big ballroom, then they go and do what they call breakout interviews, breakaway interviews, which is a smaller room, tables. We all kind of wrap around the tables and talk to them there. And then obviously they go around and speak to Radio Row. They speak to some of the national outlets, ESPN, Athletic, uh, CBS Sports. There's some others that are collected here. They kind of have their own moments with them, and that's a mix of print, television, all of that stuff. So, for example, FSU basically was hitting the stage around 9.45 a.m. this morning, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. And they wrap up around 3.30 p.m. with a 30-minute lunch in the middle there. So that kind of gives you an idea of their regular day. Nice thing done by FSU and hat tip to Derek Satterfield, SID there, as well as Coach Norvell and the three young men who came with him. They did a little bit for the local media before they hit that main stage. There was about a dozen or so of us collected here that came up from Tallahassee and other areas nearby. And, you know, they gave us some great time, which is great. Well appreciated. Nice gesture. Gesture. Uh, You're Jesus. a jester. Yeah. Something that, uh, Three, we two, just, one. <laughs> something that we just haven't had in past years. So much appreciated. Then, of course, they head in the big ballroom, hit the stage. Coach Norvell opens up, nails it with a great opening statement about Coach Bowden. Obviously, everybody knows the news that came down with Coach Bowden on Wednesday. Thoughts and prayers with him, his wife, and his children, and the entire camp of the Bowden family. You know, tough to hear about the great legendary coach, 91-year-old man. But uh, Coach Norvell speaks on him, 
obviously sharing thoughts and prayers, but also kind of nails it with a statement about just what Coach Bowden means to Florida State, who he is, what he is, and, you know, the job that Mike Norvell has largely exists and is thought of the way it's thought of because of Bobby Bowden. So he speaks for, what, 10 to 15 minutes, I think, Coach was up there. Mm-hmm. Then we got Jermaine Johnson, followed by Mackenzie Milton, followed by Jordan Travis. They all spoke, wrapped up there, hit the breakaway interviews. We go in that room. You know, we I've done, I don't know, it's probably eight or so kickoffs at this point in my life. Uh, missed a couple over the years, but not a ton. The breakaway interviews sometimes are a complete and utter circus. There's mm-hmm. 50 people around a small table. You can't get up there. Same questions asked 17 times. Some people are asking, you know, do you like pie or ice cream? I mean, it's just craziness. That was not the issue today. Tables were relatively thinner. I think the biggest crowd I ever saw at one point was maybe about 15 people around Coach Norvell or Milton. They had the two biggest crowds out of four guys for FSU. But it was enjoyable because you could have good discussions. You could actually have kind of a lengthy, you know, you could follow up a question with another question. If the conversation took you there, continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. That's nice. As someone who enjoys having those kind of things when you're trying to report, it's appreciated. It's much better than getting one in and then fighting to the death to get a follow-up. Um, uh, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, uh, sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. So they spoke with us there. It was very good. They leave there. I believe they had their lunch at that point. And then they mostly hit Radio Row, ACC Network, and the national outlets that I referenced earlier. It was, I think the word we used to describe it was it was kind of mundane mm-hmm. and completely appreciated by me and I think you that it was mundane. There was no overreaching, insane, we're going 12-0 and 0 type of comments. There was nothing that's going to cause national headlines for all the wrong reasons or unnecessary reasons. It was very much about what last year was, a disjointed, odd, very unique year, difficult year one for any coach in the country, definitely for a coach that took over a program that had kind of nosedived in prior years. And then it turned to a lot of new faces, you know, three guys here, all of which are transfers into the program, two of which are transfers since January, talking about sort of why those kind of guys are in this program and what this program is trying to do and the 1% better every day, building blocks, slowly but surely, trying to be a better locker room, a better team. And it was just good. I kind of walked away, and my column very much centered on that. I appreciated that it was sort of – calm and FSU wasn't the center of attention in a three-ring circus it was very much basically about football some of those national topics like name image likeness vaccination vaccinations thresholds uh college football playoff expansion those kind of things were hit on Mike was asked about Dabo Sweeney right away yeah, he did not take the bait but let's be honest that question I believe was asked by a member of Clemson media and it was gutcha journalism which is what some people do <laughs> he was asked, like have you, what, have you guys talked about it or have you hashed it out he's like there's nothing to, but to talk about there's years where there are 20 to 30 minutes of that kind of BS mm-hmm. that wasn't the case today which mm-hmm. I enjoyed remember 2014 in Pinehurst uh, was the Jimbo Fisher reckoning basically yeah and that was that was what Roberto Right. No, no, that was 2015. That I was believe. 15. 2014 would have been a year after Jameis. It was with, or no, sorry, that may have been 15 after the Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Johnson offseason. But I'm trying to remember Jimbo what, came pl- under what, fire pl- what players did he take with him is what I was trying to remember. If it was 2015, it would have been Jalen and Roberto. Okay. It may have been there then. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there were plenty of instances, uh, 13, 14, 15, but especially 14, 15, because 13 still kind of snuck up on people at yeah. this point of the year. Um, but 14, 15, yeah, there were a ton of instances where it just was kind of 
a bloodbath. You know, it felt like uh, Jimbo would either get white knuckled talking about stuff, or he'd kind of feel like he was in front of a firing squad trying to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And it was just nuts, and that's not enjoyable. That's not the setting I'm here for. I'm, you know, I'm not here for that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course we had Willie, where those, and this was a consistent theme with Willie during year one was a building of expectations that obviously created a balloon that quickly popped. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have that today. I, I don't think I heard a single prediction of uh, schedule results by anybody involved in the FSU party. Much appreciated. And uh, that was a good comment. I'm trying to remember who it was on the message board. I wrote a story about the newcomers kind of being the face of the program and Jermaine Johnson, Mackenzie Milton being guys you said like haven't been here for a very long period of time yet they are being given the opportunity to be on the big stage, which I think tells a lot about what Mike Norvell thinks of those guys and the core values of his program is basically if you're proving capable of doing something, I will put you in a position to succeed or to keep maximizing uh, your potential. But someone said that Jermaine Johnson's comments sounded a lot like Mike Norvell's in the, in the comments yeah. section. And, and I think today was a good microcosm of that with all three of the guys all being very buttoned up very thoughtful, uh, not deviating from the script at all. And, yeah, and that's but it wasn't super was. canned. No, it I wasn't. thought Jermaine was excellent. He was. He was the best of um, the day, right? Yeah, I thought Jermaine this morning when we got him first thing was fantastic, and he continued that in the breakout room. Mackenzie's good. Um, Mackenzie's been at this since 2016, so he's a grizzled veteran. He's a quarterback. He's not going to say something yeah. to get himself and in trouble. And he's a dude running Dreamfield, name, image, likeness. He, he's dancing in a lot of pools, and he gets how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And he's very businesslike, and he does a very, very good job of that. Uh, he had one little quip about the quarterback at Alabama and the name, image, likeness number that's been thrown around that was kind of humorous. But that was like the closest thing we came to mm-hmm. one of those moments. And he didn't mean anything negative by it. He actually praised the young man, said he heard comes from a good family, and it's Alabama, obviously. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be very good, and they're obviously a very good program. Um, and then Jordan Travis was good. He was kind of introspective. And Jordan will admittedly tell you he's not super comfortable with being the speaker. He's not that way with his teammates. He's not that way with media. It's not his thing. Mm-hmm. He's worked really hard to be better at it with his teammates and with media, and he certainly is better mm-hmm. at it. And I thought he was excellent because Jordan, He know, I, I think Jordan understands that the view of him is he's the underdog. Yeah, that I, think, quarterback I think that came across. But he's completely comfortable, and it's clear as day that those two young men, him and Mackenzie Milton, like each other and kind of appreciate that they push each other. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's dissect some of the different storylines that came out of talking to each person. Let's start with Jermaine Johnson, uh, beginning with his, his attire, his dress, which you noted was your favorite of the three. Yeah, if there was a drip-off contest, <laughs> that man would have won it. I almost wrote it in the column, but I saved it for the earwaves. Um <laughs> Studded shoes, solid suit, clean cut on the top of the head. He looked great. He nailed it. He he looked like a dude getting ready to go up on stage and sh- shake Goodell's <laughs> hand. I mean, he he nailed it. He if if we're giving out one to ten ranking, he's a ten. I mean, he fantastic today. And he, Milton was he was feeling himself too with the haircut. He was yeah, proud of what yeah. he, of yeah what he, he, he enjoyed there. it. He had a little fun with it. the shoes. Definitely got a lot of attention. You can see him on the FSU football Twitter. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, but not Jermaine was great. I mean, he, you know, he talked about he's had a weird journey. He was arguably the best player in Minnesota coming out of high school. Has to go to Independence for junior college. It's on last chance U because of that. That's because of grades. He admittedly said that. He goes from there to Georgia. He kind of has to wait his turn and never gets to that Georgia. But, you know, Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell relationship plays somewhat of a role in him ending up at FSU. Mm-hmm. You know, and him, Milton, they both 
had similar statements of they kind of came to FSU because they trusted Norvell. They believed in what he was saying, and you know, they feel like that's been true for seven months now since they arrived. And he's really happy at FSU, and he doesn't – he's one of these guys who I felt like he commands some leadership role. Like, he's very comfortable with that, but he doesn't feel like he – I don't know how to best describe it. I'm struggling, but he, he's not someone who feels like he – it doesn't. It feels authentic. I guess is the best way of describing. It. He he's very comfortable being a leader, but at the same time, he doesn't think he has to be the center of attention for that defense. And he doesn't say things to create shock, or I think it's pretty authentic. But he's extremely confident in his ability. Very much so. You see that saw that in the spring, like he was jawing with the offensive yeah. line consistently, and, and uh, it, it didn't feel manufactured or yeah. forced. He was trying. Like the offensive line, you can tell they're trying to hype themselves up and build confidence for themselves. Like, most guys He's not in football that. develop a chip on their shoulder. For whatever reason, it's just something they do. Mm-hmm. Jordan Travis clearly has one. You know, he's kind of doubted. Can he throw the ball used to be the narrative. We talked plenty about that ourselves. Mackenzie Milton, chip on the shoulder. I don't know if it's so much a chip, but obviously coming back from the injury, mm-hmm. there's all the question marks of coming back from injury. I think with Jermaine Johnson, it's he thinks he is good enough where he could have easily played at Georgia more than he played, and he didn't. And now he's out to prove that at a school that so de- desperately needs a valuable pass rush. My favorite part from him was in the, the morning session uh, with the local media, and someone asked him a question and, and referred to Mike Norvell as Mike, and he yeah, responded as – he responded as – he's like, well, yeah, Mike. He's like, oh, I mean, Coach Norvell, he almost got me there. Uh, had a little laugh after the the coach prime Dion Nick Saban uh, debacle. Yeah, I, I like Jermaine. I thought Jermaine came off extremely well today. He's been good in every interview we've had with him since he arrived at FSU. But in person, he was unbelievable. And boy, let me tell you, it was nice to have him in person interviews again. <laughs> We're working back towards that. Uh, all right, so let's talk about then uh, Jay Trav Jordan Travis. Like you said, Chris, introspective. Uh, honestly, the best story of the day, the one I'm looking forward to writing tomorrow, probably comes from him, and, and that's Jordan. Fully admitting two or three pretty interesting things that we had kind of heard. One was that he was almost contemplating not playing football at the after the end of the Willie Taggart era and before this this past season. He had lost his confidence. He said fully, "He's I didn't even know if I I would doubt that I could throw the ball more than five yards downfield." It's like you hear things, you see things, and he fully admitted that that he was a fairly broken player heading into this season. Um, and obviously, Mike Norvell, Kane Dillingham work really hard to remedy that for him. So I thought that was really interesting, Chris. Like that he was, he was that introspective and, and honest about where he was, and it's remarkable to see how far he's come. Yeah, and he's seven to ten pounds heavier these days than he was at this point last year. Durability, obviously, a bit of a concern with him, but you know most would expect a little extra weight. It comes along. He clearly is more confident in his ability. We noticed in spring how much he had shown a sign of improvement. Um, it was funny, he kind of talked about how out of high school, he wasn't thought of as a runner he's become. He was right. still he, thought of more as he was a, passer. More of a passer. So he still clearly wants to prove he is a quality passer and do it on a consistent basis. And I think he's certainly worked hard in that regard under Kenny and Mike Norvell, Coach Dillingham and Mike Norvell mm-hmm. and Coach Norvell. God, you got me saying Coach and Mike now. I'm scared. I, I think Mike Dion, is... Dion got us all shook. I, I mean, that whole... <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes yep. there's an example of life where both parties are kind of in the wrong, and I think Dion was. I'm not watching. It was it was swack. I mean, like, no. I can't. I mean, I wasn't. In, I can't end up watching. I was there media watching day it. stuff. But the the reporter played into it a little bit, and yeah. The yeah. other thing about Jordan is obviously younger brother of a high level athlete who came through FSU and Devin Travis, mm-hmm. who now works in minor league baseball and had obviously played major league baseball. 
So there's that that he can lean on, and he certainly leans on Devin. The two of them are close. They talk frequently. It's clear as day that Devin is one of those pillars for him as a young man that he, when he needs somebody, that's who he goes to. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter what it is. That's the guy he goes to. The other thing with Jordan is he's very smart. He's a, he's a Seminole scholar, which should always be a hat tip, but he is a really smart kid. And he, you know, he talked today about how his parents emphasized education coming up as a student athlete, and that's continued, and that's true. And I think that helps him a great deal because he... He tries to definitely block out outside noise. He's a guy that definitely tries to worry about himself and how he can improve. But it's abundantly clear that Milton coming in is obviously a challenge to him. Mm-hmm. But they've worked well off of each other, and they, they like each other. Mm-hmm. There, there's a natural chemistry between the two for two guys that have really only been around each other for six to seven months now that is a positive. And I think it's elevated that quarterback room and probably helps that offense as a whole that they have two guys – and it's not cutthroat. I mean, obviously, they both want to start. Mm-hmm. Every quarterback under the sun in college football usually wants to start. Nobody wants to be a clipboard holder. But I think, first and foremost, both are going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't think you bring them both to ACC kickoff if you don't believe they're not both going to play. Jordan said as much. He's confident right. they'll both play. In and I, I think Mike Norvell on Brian McFadden's podcast, BMAC, does a great job. I think he kind of – Cover all things. You, know, you guys check it out, CBS podcast. He referred to two quarterbacks being comfortable with that and all that. I mean, the, the groundwork for that being a real thing this year has clearly been laid. Mm-hmm. Um, He's been asked about it a ton, to be fair, and he hasn't come out and directly said we're yeah. going to do that, but there hasn't been an elimination of that being a thing either, which I think is telling. So, and he, he's talked regularly about you get your playmakers on the field. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Travis is one of their best offensive players. He's their most proven playmaker at FSU right now. Got to so, at this level here. But Jordan's clearly a kid that I feel like is very much uh, at peace. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, he, he, I think he went through hell at Louisville. He doesn't talk a lot about that. That's private to him. Obviously, it hasn't been the easiest at FSU with being banged up some, the arm issues, not being healthy till the Georgia Tech week last year, Didn't for example. Didn't have a coaching staff that right. believed in him as a passer so previously. It, it's not been an easy path to this moment, but I think he's in a pretty good place. And mm-hmm. I think Milton obviously having a different kind of difficult path because of a catastrophic injury, I think those two kind of – they're two peas in a pot to a degree. Well, they play almost – it's complementary um, – because Milton doesn't lack any confidence no, no. at all. He he drips with swag. Milton has a little Fortune 500 salesman going on with him in a good way. Yeah, He's uh, very he, comfortable. Like, very smart, very comfortable, uh, very polished. Uh, whereas Jordan, again, I think is, is more willing to be a little vulnerable and admit like, hey, I, I get nervous sometimes or I need some help with things. Which those can play off of each other well, especially if Jordan's willing to learn and listen from McKenzie of those strengths, and it seems like he is. I think that was the most interesting thing of today with, with those two and their dynamic. Jordan basically said he was nervous when McKenzie first came in here, and we had heard that, too, that Jordan was a little... But he did reach out to him immediately. He did, he did, but he did Jordan the, reached out to McKenzie. The moment of self-doubt of, like, why are they bringing someone in here? Didn't I do well enough? Yeah. Which is natural. It's a very, and for someone to admit, I thought was cool. But on the other side, McKenzie was vulnerable enough to say, coming here, I was a little apprehensive because there was someone here. He's like, and I'd been in that spot when I was a freshman competing with someone who, I think it was Justin Holman, um, UCF, go Knights. What? Huh? <laughs> Don't say national champions. I'll punch you. We are in the same room. Um, but McKenzie had said he had some apprehension about coming here because of, of what that dynamic was going to be. And they both seem very, like you said, Chris, at peace with, with one another and the way things are kind of unfolding right now. Yeah. 
And I think that's a good thing for FSU. All right, Mackenzie Milton, big news of the day to me. He says he's 100%. He'd previously been pretty forthcoming and, and transparent and saying, I'm not 100%. He said like 90 back in January. I thought that was cool. I think that's yeah, good. He, to add to that point, he said during these player-run practices, summer workouts and such, he hasn't had to peel back after a hard day. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was obviously a concern because he's going through the most physical activity he has since, what, November 18? Is that when, when was the injury? November 18? It was 18? right around Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, of 18, 20, right? 2018, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this is a guy that his 15th spring practices was the most football he's gone through in two-plus years and everything he's done to this point. But he, he's playing with house money. I mean, he's had great college experiences. He's clearly set up for whatever's next in life, whether that's keep playing football, going to coaching, going to business. He's comfortable with whatever it is. He does want to be a coach at some point in his life, and he's a guy that's taken mental notes mm-hmm. at every stop, with working with different guys, dealing with different people, and that's clear with him. Um, but, yeah, he he's, he's a piece of the fabric of the team. He's... We need to get better 1% every day. You know, we're just working at it. It is what it is. I asked multiple guys, including Coach Norvell and the players, about you know basically tons of new faces, a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen, who had a completely screwed up first year and transfers between last year and this year. Um, how do you gel? How does it come together? And It's just a daily process. You keep working with each other. Someone like Andrew Parchment gets thrown in in May, you get him out there and play runs practices. You throw to him. You create a timing and a rhythm and a comfort level. And then when you start putting on pads and get out there and practice, you hope some of it transitions, but at least maybe you're a little bit ahead of where you would have been if you hadn't done that. And that's just where they are. It's a, a workman mentality is what came away from the players, mm-hmm. is that they know there's a lot of work to be done. There's you know They're coming off a three-win season and a miserable year of disruption and uniqueness. And it's about on to next year. I didn't feel like today was too reflective on last year outside of the normal. I felt like it was very much how do we go from here. We're at a baseline now, mm-hmm. some stability. How do we build upon this? What do we do? You know, Norvell, Coach Norvell. Mike. Mike. I mean, Coach Mike He <laughs> got me all shook. He, uh, you know, he reiterated a point that he's made before. Of they'll look at transfers, but they don't want to be a transfer school. Right. What they've done the last, especially this last cycle and a bit in the prior one, was flipping the roster. Now they want to build that roster with the right guys, the right chemistry, and what helps them build a team. And we're seeing that with 22 recruiting and even to a slight degree with 23 and a little bit of 24 already. Um, that it looks likely they're not going to be a transfer-heavy team. Now, do they still look at transfers? Hell yeah, I think they will. Mm-hmm. I think everybody will. I think that's a new norm. But they're not going to have, what, 15 of our top 40 players are transfers. I don't think that continues. Yeah, and 10 just this cycle alone. Yeah. I did some math earlier today, Chris. You might appreciate this. 62% of the roster, and it'll be, of the scholarship portion of the roster, was not here when Mike Norvell first arrived. Yeah, it's been flipped. Now it's not super talented. I think no, we all agree with that. Yeah. If you looked at my preseason all-ACC team. Oh, where do you have them? Have you hit submit button yet? By I did today. Where do you have job. FSU finishing? I picked them to finish fourth in the Atlantic. I, I think too. they're fourth or fifth, more than like more likely than fourth or third. Um, I picked them to be ahead of, what, Syracuse, Louisville, and Wake. I think they can beat all three of those. I don't feel as confident about NC State, but who knows? NC State's usually kind of a weird game with them. And uh, BC, who I actually am a little bullish on BC. I think BC can be a pretty damn good offense. And then obviously Clemson at the top. I went the same as you, except for I think I flipped BC and Wake, and I like what Wake brings back. But, yeah. Um, oh, real quick, so you mentioned Norvell talking about 
the future, not reflecting on last year. And that was very true. The one thing, and this was a talking point for him clearly because he mentioned it multiple times in multiple areas, he mentioned the word trust when he was asked about last season. He would be asked about what last season's challenges were and whatnot, and he talked about that being as an opportunity to build trust. To me, man, that's very much so a focal point of the guys who stayed, the ones who – because so many guys left. Jordan Travis reiterated that point. He talked about, one, they're sick of losing. Like, it's no fun. He's like, the the feeling after UNC last year, he was like how – Jordan Travis was like how great that felt. He's like, I don't know if I've ever felt a feeling like that. He's like, that was great. He goes, the issue, though, is we got kind of – not everybody, but some got kind of relaxed in the idea of a loss is a loss, just mm-hmm. whatever. Um, they don't want to be that anymore going forward. And I, I, I don't want to, you know – summarize this poorly so i'm gonna walk lightly on it i'll send you the quote and you might even be able to use it in your story tomorrow on jordan but he talked very much about how like they they have to as a group believe in it and that he believes that they do believe in the vision a great deal more than they did 12 months ago for sure and even as the season was going on last year mm-hmm. i it, it's clear to say everybody knows the storylines played out Nothing about last year with the offseason largely being wiped out by a pandemic allowed for kind of a identity of that team to be formed in a good manner. You can't form an identity over Zoom like you can in person, where in person you can get happy with each other, you can get ticked off at each other, you can yell at each other, you can praise each other. You live, you learn, you build. It's so much different in person than it ever could be on Zoom. Mm-hmm. Zoom is a teaching tool, but it's not all those other things. That it doesn't with. make up for the hands-on experience. And, and what Arvel was talking about with trust, like that, that equity that, that comes with working in person and being able to yell at someone and then see their response, and it, that doesn't get built up instantly. That takes time, and they didn't have that last year. Yeah, and guys left. And, and I think that's, if you're trying to be optimistic about the short term and thus the long term of this program, that's where I think it lies, right? Is that guys now trust the coach and that maybe does enough to make up for the deficiencies in talent on this roster. Yeah, he said he was grateful for last year because they had their good moments, the UNC game being kind of the one that they all focused on. But the bad moments and how they responded showed a lot about who and what they were, good and bad. And you need that. You got to learn from that. But they learned about it together as a group and it was new to all of them last year. He was a new coach here. That roster was his new roster. A lot of new players last year, and God knows there's a lot of new players now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, you know, we regularly say on a podcast how much we think he's organized and that he and his staff do a good job of kind of thinking about now and next and doing mm-hmm. a good job of that. I think his comments today kind of leaned on that of they understood who and what they were last year when they reviewed that who and what they are right now and who and what they hope to be when December rolls around and, you know, they've wrapped up a season that's going to have some turbulence without a shadow of a doubt, but where they hope to be at that point compared to today. Anything else on today, Mike Norvell, before we transition to recruiting real quick? No, I mean, he he was asked about college football playoff expansion. He kind of gave a generic type. Uh, Name, image, likeness was a popular topic, especially with Mackenzie Milton. Mackenzie's very comfortable in that realm. Dreamfield is something he's big on. Mm -hmm. Likes working with Derek King on it. The two of them trust each other. You know, they probably won't talk much of the week of the game, but in general they talk pretty regular, he Mm -hmm. said. Um, Again, I thought Jermaine was really impressive today. If you get a chance to go watch the videos of him talking, whether it's on the stage or to break out with us early, 
well worth it to check out, especially that early one this morning. Um, and I thought Jordan Travis was great because sometimes when you get comfortable being uncomfortable, it says a lot about you. I think that, that speaks to Jordan Travis. He did a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. Jordan Travis, when we spoke to him at IMG a couple years ago, I believe it was, versus Jordan Travis today, come a hell of a long way. I got something that we need to talk about real quick. Vaccinations and the ACC protocol for testing this upcoming season. A lot of people on the message board have asked about yeah. it. I know it's polarizing, but I do want us to talk about it real quick. And along that subject is also protocols, cancellations, rescheduling, all that. So mm-hmm. have at get me Get the ball rolling, baby. Okay. Jim Phillips spoke on Wednesday. Wednesday All right, days are difficult of the week right now still for me. Uh, But he spoke on Wednesday morning, and there was nothing official yet. Now the ACC, or sorry, the SEC had come out the few days before and talked about their protocol with testing cancellation. As the Big 12. Yep, and and for the SEC, it was 85% team Mm need to be vaccinated to basically be out of the testing protocol consistently. Um, So he spoke about what the ACC said that wasn't yet quite set in stone, but we believe that 85% is going to be the threshold for the protocol, right? Yeah, I think that's the expectation for the A5, the Big Five conferences So it'll be be everyone uh, having to to kind of be in that regard. Mike Norvell was asked about where the team was with it, as expected, did not give out a direct answer of saying, yes, we're at 75% or whatever, so we're getting closer, we're still talking about it. Mackenzie Milton has said it's very much a personal choice, so... I got the feeling, Chris, that they're probably not quite there yet. And what, I guess what what well, does that mean implication-wise moving I forward? I believe Jim Phillips said that seven of the institutions in the league were at at or near the threshold, like extremely close. Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of that is there's some private schools in the league that I believe the school as a whole is requiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously some of those northeastern schools, I think it's going to be fairly common. I, I think Virginia, for example, has a policy of you have to get it, mm-hmm. barring religion of certain types, certain other outs. Mm-hmm. But um, So FSU is obviously, I don't expect them to have that policy. You know, State University in Florida, Florida will not. everything yeah. we're considering, that's not going to come about. So it's a personal choice. FSU did have Myron Roll speak to the guys in recent days. To speak on the subject, they're clearly trying to educate the players and allow them to make a personal decision. Ultimately, though, uh, Jim Phillips' comment, and he spoke a good bit about it, and he revisited it a couple times in the Q&A session, they're going to allow the medical advisory group of the league to set some guardrails on this. But they're not in a rush, one, because of the variant. They want to see how that impacts things with things flaring back up a bit here, nationally speaking. They want to see that. They don't want to rush into a policy and then kind of retreat from the policy immediately. So I think we probably see the policy... Sometime in August mm-hmm. is my expectation. I would say in the next two weeks is probably a reasonable expectation, maybe three weeks. Um, once that policy is set, the league is going to have guardrails to this. I presume they'll put a threshold on it. Teams will need to get there. Getting there gets you out of testing protocol. It basically makes it where it's going to be incredibly difficult for your team to have a game postponed or canceled. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. In the end, let's all be honest, we want to play the games. Last year, stunk when FSU had to cancel games or games were canceled because of circumstances or postponements for FSU and for everybody else in the country who dealt with that, which was a hell of a long list. Um, Dabo was the only one who had to deal with it. He was impacted more than everyone. Dr. Dab, sorry, I couldn't help myself. So you want to get to that point. It's needed. You know, you would think the ACC would take a look at the NC State situation with the College World Series, however you feel about how that was thought about. The fact that they were pulled from the potential of winning a national title because of the situation, Mm -hmm. you want to avoid that situation. And the FSU players were keenly aware of of that happening, too. I will say that today. They they did all 
where we so I, I think there will be a push. I think there will be a goal. There's obviously going to be some who opt not to do it, and that's a personal choice. And mm-hmm. I ain't here to judge nobody about that. It's personal. Personal. But it is going to be essential that FSU, as well as everybody else in the league, gets nearer at that threshold because the closer you are to that number, the more likely that you're not going to fall into something on written on paper that says you can't play. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to avoid. They're going to set a policy. What you can do to circumvent or get around that policy is where you want to get. And F- FSU is one of many schools that aren't there. I didn't listen to every coach over the two days. Numerous ones were asked about a lot of them on the big stage. You know, Doran was asked at NC State. His answer was kind of pretty open-ended, which I found a little surprising because of the NC State situation. But again, you're thinking about the school you're dealing with, the population you're dealing with, what it is. It is what it is. I think Virginia, for example, with Brock Mendenhall, he spoke about school policy. So it's kind of out of his hand, but obviously allows them to get to the threshold. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other schools that fall into that same category. So you have kind of those two extremes and FSU's there. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's a popular topic right now. We'll see if it still is when September rolls around. I think some of the reason that's popular is because of the national flare-up in numbers over the last couple weeks. I'm part of that number. I know you are. <laughs> COVID You're in the cow- hotel room COVID with me. <laughs> okay, real quick before we go to a commercial break, then recruiting, I want you to give a scale of 1 to 10 my freak out this morning. Where was it at in my pantheon of freak you, out? You talking about YouTube hating on you? Yeah, basically. Uh, it wasn't that bad. You just were clearly frustrated. But I don't understand massive media events with crappy internet. Is a little confusing, and it seems to happen every time it's we come here. It's sort of an ACC tradition. It's better than Pinehurst a few years ago in that year that Jimbo was getting bullets and I was trying to put stuff up there and uh, and there was literally no internet. I just feel like I have to retreat to my room every year to try to get competent internet. It took me three hours to upload a McKenzie Milton video today. I had no issues. Might be user error. Must be not. I don't. I mean, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. We're going to wrap up this episode here with a positive commitment from three-star quarterback in high, high-end three-star quarterback. I don't want the Stargazers to get upset. He's 2023. Let's not get carried away with Stargazers. 2023 quarterback Chris Parson out of Brentwood, Tennessee, close to our home office uh, for 24-7 sports, commits to the Seminoles. Christopher, uh, give us a quick breakdown on, on this commitment and how it unfolded. Uh, Chris Parson visited in June. He he had been a longtime FSU fan. He actually camped with FSU when Walt Bell was OC, to give you a reference of time there. FSU offered, I don't remember the exact date off the top of my head, but relatively in the same realm of when he visited. 
once they offered, it was huge. He's a kid that likes FSU a great deal. FSU likes him. He has a good relationship with Kenny Dillingham and some others. He came to FSU, visited, loved it, put out a top eight not long after, put out the announcement date of today when he put out that top eight. It was always going to be FSU. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, you know deliberation from what I understand from the point of the visit to the top eight to the announcement. It was kind of consistent. Real solid two-minute commitment video. Mm-hmm. Did a good job. Some of those get carried away. I didn't think his was. I thought it was solid. Um, talented kid. Gets it down the field. He's, you know, height is interesting. He's listed at six foot 190, which is yeah. obviously on the small side right now. Yeah, I, I want to see how he grows. But at the same time, the whole height thing's becoming kind of a, you know, do we worry about it as much with quarterbacks these days? Well, as we did depending 10 years on the ago? way you play, I think that yeah. mitigates it some, and the way he plays specifically does cut that out some. So you did the scouting report when you watched the film. What's the first thing that stood out to you? Really dynamic, just in every phase of the game, Chris. Like, like he can stay in the pocket and push the ball downfield and be accurate, which is obviously priority number one, right? But then he moves in the pocket really well or escapes the pocket, keeps his eyes downfield and throws on the run really well, which very important in today's game. Patrick Mahomes has kind of made that like, and Aaron Rodgers was doing that before Patrick Mahomes. He just stayed to the next level, but that's like what the prototype is becoming. And he, and Chris Parson does some of that at a pretty high level. But then he's really athletic too and, and runs really well uh, as a designed runner, very athletic and, and breaks tackles. You're giving me a lot of eye contact. It's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking in my head, I'm looking forward to the review that just says, I love when Sinone said that our new quarterback commitment was a Patrick, Patrick Mahomes slash Aaron <laughs> Rodgers <laughs> combination. I'm I, looking forward to it. I Josh is going to read it on air. <laughs> As I was saying, I thought I escaped putting that out there, but I guess clearly not enough. Um, he just does a lot of things well. I think I called him a triple threat, which I was pretty proud of. Everyone talks about dual threat quarterbacks, but, but there is now an element of like you have to be good throwing on the run as well and he does that in addition to scrambling running design runs and staying in the pocket and he's that, good at everything that's a class where as of now we expect him probably take two in it barring a change mm-hmm. with the 22 group you know they have duffy and 22 at this point so you know if that's your first guy you're in a pretty good spot and josh mentioned i'm trying to figure out who did he mention today on the message board you check out on those 24 sevens why you sign up for vip we have a special deal going on right now 23 quarterbacks yeah he mentioned dante Uh, moore from detroit yeah dante moore from michigan is one they love the young man from kansas avery uh he's super super athletic i'm trying he camped here he camped in june kind of looks like a surfer dude yeah the tall kid from Iowa, Jacob, is another one that they liked in June when he came in. They've got a good amount of options in 23, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think the board starts there in Michigan. And I think they start going big game hunting because they feel good about what they have currently. That allows you to be a little more aggressive and, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I guess picky, choosy, yeah, um, you, selective. You, you, is what yeah, you can, uh, like, if you dwindle the board down and make a dude realize he's the only other one you want, sometimes mm-hmm. that pays de- dividends in the end. Mm-hmm. The kid in Kansas is really, really talented. He's a three-sport athlete. No, obviously keep an eye on him to see how he progresses because, as we all know, when you're a 16, 17-year-old quarterback, you develop. All right, so we like the take of Chris Parson. It gives them some flexibility for what they're doing. And I keep want to say Chris Parsons. It's Chris no Parsons. S. No I think S. when you start getting older, you start putting S's at the end of names. There shouldn't be S's and vice versa, uh, subtracting S's. COVID brain. COVID brain. All right, the last thing we want to talk about real quick before we get out of here is on July 25th. That's on this upcoming Sunday. FSU has a big recruiting weekend, the only big recruiting weekend of July per the NCAA calendar. 
Chris, uh, real quick, want to give an update and tell people where they can go to, to check out a full list of names that we have? Well, Zach's put together a great list on the site, done an excellent job of collecting those names, confirming them, making sure those are guys that are truly expected in. You can find it on the message board. We'll also move it back up to the front page once the ACC kickoff stuff subsides a little bit. Obviously, today's been a very busy day with a commitment and the four people speaking here in Charlotte. Um, the event itself, kind of similar to what FSU did early in June to some degree, kind of that elite night, uh, mixing it, I think, like a barbecue. They're trying to get some top-tier targets in here, whether it's 22, 23, or even 24. Spend a little time with them, get them on campus. This will be kind of the last chance they have with a lot of recruits until the season itself actually rolls around because things shut down once again in August. So it, it will be a good group. It won't be as great of a group as we saw some in June. I think that will be a national trend in July because obviously a lot of young men in their high school football squads are starting up here preparing for preseason and such, and some of those high school coaches don't really want the guys to run around doing a bunch of stuff. Right. All right. So it'll be a good group, but just not quite as maybe elite as before. But you already just said that. I just reiterated it in a slightly different way. Drive the point home. Real quick, uh, a commitment that may be on the radar. I mean, someone is committing. It might be to FSU. We have crystal balls right now. In fact, I just put in a show crystal ball. Oh, look at you. For Daughtry Richardson, talented offensive lineman from Miami Central. Also used to be at Tallahassee, Florida. Godby has ties to the Tallahassee area, still has family up there. He officially visited FSU as well as others in June. That's been a battle consistently, basically between FSU and Miami. Here in recent weeks, Kentucky kind of became a talk about. And I think there was some legitimate legs to Kentucky being a contender. I don't think that was something completely out of left field by any stretch based on the feedback we got and talking to some people about it. At the end of the day, though, we still think Richardson's going to end up at FSU. Uh, Felt pretty good about that when June came to a close. Still feel pretty good about that here a few days out from the announcement. All right, so you can keep an eye on that. I don't think we're going to have a podcast before then. Chris is about to be wheels up to Las Vegas. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Uh, so he'll be out of pocket for about a week. I will be going to my own bachelor party. Not my own, but a bachelor party. get married again? Does Ashley know? <laughs> Breaking news, babe. <laughs> and her mom sometimes listens to the podcast, too. Which uh, that, that's that's going to be a heck sorry, of a conversation. Sorry, Sandy. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll be busy this weekend. Uh, but Zach and Joshua will be boots on ground in Tallahassee on Sunday for the camp. We'll have an update, obviously, if Dr. Richardson does commit to FSU, which we are currently expecting at the time of recording this podcast. Uh, but for now, we'll probably do a recap on Monday or Tuesday of everything going on without Christopher because he'll be hopefully drunk, intoxicated somewhere. I think Monday we're going to see a big piece of cement, the Hoover Dam. I think we're also going to see the Grand Canyon. I'd rather see the Grand Canyon than the Hoover I've Dam. I've seen the dam before. I didn't, I mean, it's didn't a, do much it's for me. But people stuff. I'm with haven't seen it. So Who gives a damn? Yeah. Canyon's awesome, though. I'm looking forward to Grand Canyon. Might also see, I think the Joshua Tree Forest is out there. I think you might go by that. i got to smoke some peyote or whatever they do with peyote. You go out to Joshua Tree. <laughs> the episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right, for Chris Nee, I'm Brendan Sinone. Chris, how many stars should they give us? At least four. No, 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 no. <laughs> five star reviews. Nothing less. We only read them if they're five, right, Josh? <laughs>